Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Jersey Joe Corner. It is brought to you by Big Heads Media. It is going to be a great hockey season uh, coming right up. A lot of interesting things. Uh, Anchor.fm will help you uh, start your podcast and get things rolling. It's going to be a lot smoother when you uh, when you get the Anchor app, and it's so much easier to navigate. Even their online website at anchor.fm is very efficient and you can do a lot of great things with it and i i stand by it myself and i must say it's time to say let's go devils with the first pick overall the new jersey devils are brought to select from the U.S. program, Jack Hughes. Let's go, baby! Oh, oh, Let's go, oh, 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 oh. Lays it across, Botnan drives, score! Sammy Botnan let it rip, it's a power play goal, and the Devils have opened it up. Oh, my. Nico walking in, shooting, score! Hey, Jimmy, welcome on to the Jersey Joe Corner. What's up, Jersey Joe? It's Jersey Jim here on a Wednesday night. It's a rainy Wednesday night, though. It's very rainy, kind of like a certain situation that's kind of getting addressed. Addressed kind of like having your assistant GM coming down from the press box and uh, started to lace up the skates and uh, trying to straighten things out. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is a little strange development here with the New Jersey Devils today. And not that we're going to be negative. We don't want to be negative today. We're trying not to be negative. We don't want to be negative. We want to be positive. And I see this as a good move for the New Jersey Devils. I really do. Because having a different voice in the locker room on the ice may shape the players up, may shake the coaching staff up. He may see some things that the players and the staff there have it. That way we can fix the problem that is the New Jersey Devils offense and most specifically their defense. And it's been a, a downer of the past couple of days since the, uh, the loss to the, the Florida Panthers. You know, we talk about riding the ship and you know what, you know, today being a rainy one, I believe, you know, when you have someone of the higher up like uh, Tommy Fitzgerald, who's, you know, as Taylor Hall said, you know, getting down in the trenches and, you know, starting to lace things up. It, it's good to get someone to to really straighten things out. You know, there's a lot of chaos, but someone's going to start controlling this chaos, and it's Tommy Fitzgerald. He did something like this not long ago in Pittsburgh back in 2009 season. Yeah, I mean, it's good to have uh, uh, just another set of eyes in there. And like you said, 2009 with the Penguins, uh, he was on the bench. So he's had experience uh, behind the bench. You know, he's a, he was a good um, 
NHL forward in his time. So, you know, just having that experience behind the bench will be good. I mean, he can help, you know, uh, Rick Kowalski, Elaine Nazardine, Mike Greer. Just you know, show them, like, the way how a bench is going to be run, how to fix a power play, just little things here and there, maybe a little nuances. Like we said, there's a problem. Management knows there's a problem. Hopefully this is the way they can fix the problem or else this is going to be a really, really long season. All right, so we talked about nuances. We talk about management. We got a guy that knows his numbers and a guy that knows how to analyze things. We got ourselves a in, our inside hockey analytics guy, and I'm going to start to call in Tyler Kelly, and I know he's probably awaiting, so get him in and uh, get him in on this Anchor app. I just sent him in. Yeah, so now, it was a good. So, yeah, and you, and so now you talk about the way they start to ride the ship. Tell me more what you talked about with uh, nine sixty Mississauga. All right, so this morning uh, I was on the Mike Rich- Raw Mike Richards show on uh, Saga nine sixty uh, with David Bastel, um, a good friend of mine. Uh, we've talked throughout the years, you know, via Twitter when they were on TSN. Um, he had me on this morning talking some Devils. We were on beforehand uh, talking about Winnipeg Jets uh, a couple of weeks ago. But basically, we're looking at, you know, what's wrong with the team. And, and my biggest concern and the biggest thing I see is that you have to have your top-tier talent playing with other top-tier talent. Uh, a guy like Jack Hughes we brought up, for example, Uh talking about how, you know, he's playing on the third line. He's averaging 16 minutes, but a lot of those minutes are on a power play. And he's centering a third line. But that doesn't really help his development. And with Nico Heischer listed as day-to-day, um, he's going to be, you know, relied upon up on that top unit, as I wrote about in my article today about the Devils listing Nico Heischer day-to-day. So Hughes with Hall and Palmieri, you could see a spark there with offensively. You know, trying to cash in on important times of a game. We have a guy on the line and Tyler Kelly from Pucks and Pitchforks. Tyler, welcome to the Jersey Joe Corner along with Jersey Jim. Thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks for being on. So, Tyler, you did a fantastic job the other night on the Let's Go Devils podcast. You know, they were giving you all these – these nice little curveball questions. Um, can you talk about the conundrums in the high danger, low danger scoring areas that the Devils have been missing out on? Yeah, so I think it's been pretty obvious since John Hines took over that he definitely values high danger chances over you know your standard shot share your so your Corsi four and your Fenway stuff like that or even just your standard scoring chances he he values and I think most coaches would agree uh, with that sentiment uh, but when you actually break down the numbers it, it's not like Heinz any of his teams 
the Devils specifically um, since 2015 have have really been able to dominate those high danger chances. The only year that the Devils actually were towards the top of the league in, in high danger chance percentage was uh, 2017-18. I think they were sixth in the league. Um, but they're still generating a low volume of those chances, uh, regardless of, of the percentage they've been towards the bottom of the league and chances for, and chances against, uh, pretty much since he took over, they're, they're really just a low event hockey team. Yeah. So, um, you know, with the devils, you know, struggling offensively, really in those high danger areas, just want to shift over defensively for a minute. And what are the numbers saying about who should play with P.K. Subban? Because obviously they've been trying a couple of guys back there, Sammy Vaughn and Andy Green to begin the year, and recently Dave Severson. Uh, what are the numbers saying in regards to, you know, who's the best fit for him? Hey, uh, that's a tough question. Uh, going into the season, I thought the answer was Sammy Vaughn. Uh, I still think that's the answer. And that's not just because – I think he's the best fit with Subban. I think that's also because that has the best trickle-down effect when you look at the rest of the lineup. Uh, Will Butcher and Damon Severson over the past two years have uh, have actually played well together. It's, it's not often a fence pairing that over a two-year period has had a shot share percentage of, of over 50. Uh, but Butcher and Severson, if you look at them over the past two years, uh, they have a four together a 50.5 um, high danger chance for a 53.6 and um, an expected goals for percentage of 52.2. So that's a good pairing. That's something the devils haven't used, but something they should use. They've played a little over almost 350 minutes of five V five together. Um, so if you're using that as your second pairing, you're setting up your, your yourself for success because um, then you have Sammy and Subban together, and Subban and Vatanen had a good preseason together. They've only played together um, once this season, and it didn't go well, but that's okay. Like, nothing's gone right for the Devils so far this year, so why not just try it again? Um, the third pairing is, as long as Green's out, it's going to be a nightmare. There's nothing you can do about that. Like, there's just there's nothing you can do. Your options are Carrick, Tennyson, and I like Carrick. Yeah, but your options are Carrick, Tennyson, and uh, and Merkel Mueller. So it's just it's going to be bad. There's nothing you can do about that at this point. Um, but yeah, so Subban and Vatnin played together one game this year. They they had a rough uh, well, they had they've had a, they have a rough go of it. They had a 22.6 expected goals percentage. Uh, 33 Corsi and uh, their high danger chance percentage was 20. So they, they just straight up did not have a good, good night. And that's okay because it's a limited sample size. So if I was setting the pairings, I would go Vatanen and Subban and then I'd go Butcher and Severson. And then on that third pairing, um, just whoever, you know, throw some darts and whoever you put together, you put together. It's not going to matter. Uh, a man of my own, uh, Part right here when it comes to Andy Green and uh, the I wouldn't say hatred or dislike for him but we all know that he is not that great defensively anymore he was but he isn't any longer Uh, sticking here you know one thing uh, the Devils have been struggling with is their power play do you have an uh, from the games you've watched and I have kind of an idea of how to fix it but I want to get your opinion on it 
What do you think the Devils need to do on their power play to start scoring some goals since it's ranked near the near not near the bottom, it is at the bottom of the league? Uh, power plays had a lot of struggles, and um, we've all seen that. But the problem is, I don't like the system they run. They run the the one three one, and I think it takes a lot of creativity away from the players. I think what you're seeing is is a lot of forced passes. With, I mean, even Hughes in the last game, the second unit actually looks really good. I don't want to like overly criticize him, but the second unit kind of changed it up. Where you saw Gusev was almost running the power play from uh, almost the corner. He was running it not not along that the sidewall where where you see the Devils traditionally run their power play. Uh, but they're they're really only generating shots from from three areas on the power play, and it's uh, the top of both circles. And and they're trying to generate more shots from from the middle of the ice, and that's not not a bad game plan necessarily. Those shots from the top of the circle aren't aren't they're not the highest danger shots. But when you have Taylor Hall and Kyle Palmieri taking those shots, they're they're higher than most. So what I would do is pretty much exactly what they've done uh, with the units that they with, that we saw Amanda Stein put out today. Um, I think it's Hall, Hughes, and Palmieri. In the middle of the ice, and then sorry about that. There's a that's all good. Chewy, 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 chewy. That's um, all good, and, all good. And, and so, um, and so then, uh, all right. So we have Sammy Vatanen running again. Chewy, come here. Sammy Vatanen running the point again, and um, down low Wayne Simmons. And so I think that's actually a good setup. Um, if it, what I would do is I would have Taylor Hall run it on his offhand, so on that that right side wall. Um, then you have Sammy Vatanen set up for the one-timer, Kyle Palmieri set up for the one-timer, and you can have Hughes work the middle of the ice and Simmons work the front of the net. If that's the system they're going to run, that works. Um, I personally don't like the system they run, but it is what it is. The The key is to maximize uh, the talent that they have on the team, and I don't think that this system necessarily does. Yeah, we're in conversation here with Tyler Kelly, uh, Bucks and Pitchforks, their analytics guy. Uh, I agree with you on the power play. Um, I just don't like the system they run either. At times, from the games I've watched and at, there just seems so much pressure the penalty killers are putting on them, especially when the guy, the point man, is so close to the blue line. They're trying to make these thin passes, um, just trying to move everything, looking for that one-timer. I like what Toronto runs. I mean, granted, everybody can't have the players that Toronto has with Matthews, Marner, and Tavares out there, but I like how they have that high guy right at the at the hash marks and then Matthews and Marner are on their strong wings and they can make either a pass up or to Tavares or to the other side. And maybe that's something the Devils could incorporate, but I just don't know who would run that middle position like Tavares is for the Maple Leafs. Yeah, that's um Tavares he's he's like he's probably the best power forward in the NHL right now. He's so good um, down low. And that's something that's somewhere I think the Devils could actually use Nico Heischer. Um, I think they really underutilize him, especially on special teams. Like, he's so good net front. He's uh, it, His hand-eye is phenomenal. He, he gets his, his uh, stick on the puck for deflections. He's probably one of the best in the league in that regard. And uh, I'd love to see him work down low in that role. Um I, I really think he'd excel there. He put on a lot of weight this off season. Uh, I think he'd be great there. And then uh, I, I do, I mean, with Hughes, 
Palmieri, Gusev, Butcher. There's there's so much talent that the Devils can use on the power play. And obviously you can't have more than five players in the ice. So you, whatever you do, you're limited. But they have a lot of talent, so they don't have to hand themselves into this this one three one system that they've been running since Hines took over. And I don't think they'll change it midseason, and I don't really fault them for that. But if there is a coaching staff change, I wouldn't be shocked to see the power play uh, change drastically. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's something that's going to change. Um, you know, it's just for me, uh, one of the things I've noticed, and I don't know if you've noticed it too. I mean, I've, I've seen your uh, tweets uh, out there and I'm glad we're following each other and, um, you know, liking our stuff. But one of the things that, you know, I've said is, you know, it's what has changed so much from the end of the preseason when this team look, look, it had real chemistry to the start of the regular season. It just seems that there's something off. Can it all be traced to blowing a 4 nothing lead to Winnipeg? I, it, it's hard to say. Um, I, don't, I mean, I don't really know. They did look good in preseason, but preseason is preseason, you know? Like, right. like it doesn't matter. Right, exactly. It doesn't matter the sport. Like, any team can look great in preseason, and then they come out and, and go undefeated in preseason, and then they come out and they're absolute trash in the regular season. The reality is in preseason, you're, you're playing split squads the entire time. So it's not shocking to see them do well in preseason, especially, um, you know, seeing a, players like Gusev and Hughes who played well together in preseason – probably matched up more against lesser competition. And then you jump into the regular season and teams are actually matching lines and they're only playing NHL players. So it's a little bit more of an adjustment to regular season versus preseason. Very true. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's just, you know, a, a lot of expectations on this team coming in with all the changes. Uh, one of the things is, um, like I talked about this morning, I was on Saga 960 with uh, Dave Bassel, Mike Richards. And, you know, it's funny that John Hines got his extension in January of last season. But the team really had only made the playoffs once. Now, obviously, you know, the team, obviously teams, you know, don't like to give, don't want to wait to give coaches, ex- um, wait too long to give coaches extensions. But do you think the Devils made a mistake in giving him an extension that soon? No, because I don't think that extension is going to keep them from moving on if they're going to move on. Uh, I think that's one of those things where where you don't necessarily want a coach going into the last year uh, of his deal and coaching because then he's legitimately – he knows he's coaching for his job. You want the coach to feel comfortable and coach the way he's going to coach. So as much as I didn't like the extension at the time, uh, I don't think anybody did. It was a really bad timing, in all honesty. Um, I, I think it actually made sense in that you, you just you don't want a coach or a GM going into a year with nothing left on their deal because that's when panic mode sets in. That's when they start making rash decisions. Um, so I don't necessarily think it was a bad idea, and I don't think that that keeps him from being fired if it gets to that point this year, which I don't think it's going to be that much longer to get to that point if the next two games don't go um, – the right way for the devils. Yeah. Uh, in conversation again with Tyler Kelly, uh, Puck and pitchforks analytics guy. Uh, let's move on and stay with special teams for a minute. Let's uh, go over to the penalty kill. Uh, another area that has not looked really good for the devils. Um, from your perspective, what do you think they need to do differently to have their percentage on the penalty kill rise and make them look better and maybe kill off uh, more power plays from the opposing team. 
The penalty kill is a tough one because uh, a lot of it is your penalty kill is is only as good as at, at the very worst, it's only as good as your goalie. Um, so the Devils and 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 I don't, I'm not trying to pin this all on on Corey Schneider and Mackenzie Blackwood because that would just be insane. It's not their fault. Uh, but the Devils at this point in the season have the third highest expected goals against the first 60 um, on the, on the penalty kill. So that's obviously bad. Um, and it's tough to say what they need to fix because they've, they've traditionally had a really good penalty kill and uh, Pavel Zaka and Blake Coleman specifically are two really good penalty killers. And there, there hasn't been much turnover in that, uh, in that bottom, in that bottom six, really, they've only lost uh, Stefan Nason so they haven't lost much there, but what they did lose or who they did lose was uh, Ben Lovejoy. And as much as a lot of Devils fans hated Ben Lovejoy, he was a great third bearing defenseman you, and he was a phenomenal penalty killer. You knew exactly what you were getting in Ben Lovejoy. He wasn't going to uh, generate a ton of offense, but he was good in the defensive zone. He was a lockdown defender. He could put him with Butcher and Butcher could do what he wanted to do on the third pair. And then you played him, they played him a ton on the penalty kill. He just ate a ton of minutes with Andy Green. And the biggest issue going forward for the Devils is that although Andy Green isn't great at 5v5 anymore, we'd all like to see him in a third pairing role, he is a great penalty killer. He, the things he's good at all apply to the penalty kill. He can get the puck out. He can get it quick out quickly. He doesn't have to make a breakout pass on the penalty kill. All I do is get the puck up and out, and he blocks a ton of shots. So now the Devils are missing their two best penalty killing defensemen from last year. Um, and losing Green and Lovejoy retiring. And then they scratch Pavel Zaka one game. It is what it is. He's been, been in the line the rest of the time. But then their, their, their penalty kills, just been, it's been garbage. And uh, just like the rest of the team, pretty much. And, and in all honesty, like their 5v5 numbers are bad. But the fact that their penalty kill is getting demolished and their power play can't score is what's going to keep them in the hole. They're going to keep losing games. It doesn't matter how good you are at 5v5. If you can't score on the power play and you can't stop other teams from scoring on the power play. Um, and how they fix it is tough. Um, I think what they've done, what they did the last few years that, that worked really well was they were super aggressive. And we're seeing other teams do that to the Devils when the Devils are on the power play. When they're trying to enter the zone, uh, other teams are all over them. They don't let them – the Devils aren't getting settled in the zone, but it seems like any time a team gets the puck in the Devils zone, they're almost immediately settled with no pressure. So I think they need to play more of a higher pressure penalty kill. They need to be on the defenders. They need to try to limit those zone entries, and they're not doing that. They haven't done that. And when you let a team come into the zone every single time and get set up, you're going to have problems. There's no way around it. That's great analysis. I mean, that's the same thing I see too. I mean, their penalty kill is just not, um, just not that good. And I, I noticed that, especially if there's a the offensive zone faceoff for the other team on a power play, if the minute they win it, they're setting up, they're making things happen. Uh, shots are coming from everywhere. And when you don't convert on two five on threes against Philadelphia, and I mean, granted, Carter Hart makes a great save on Taylor Hall. You can't fault them on that. But, I mean, it's just you, you got to score a goal just to give something because those things can be momentum changers so quickly. It's either, oh, you can kill a penalty and it keeps the game close, or you're down in the game, you get a power play goal, and the game is tied, you got energy. It, and it's just, you know, it's one of those things. But you know what? You know, there are some positives, I guess you could say, that they're doing. 
you know, offensively, you know, they can be a lot better too. But, you know, Hall, Palmieri, Heeshear, hopefully, you know, day-to-day with him. So maybe that's the thing that gets Jack Hughes going, playing with a guy like Hall and uh, Palmieri. Yeah, I'm actually really excited to see that line. I didn't want Hall, Heeshear, Palmieri, but the injury has forced it. And so if Hall, Hughes, Palmieri click – then maybe you can pair Heischer, Gusev, and maybe Brat, Simmons, whoever. It doesn't matter. Um, but maybe that gets Gusev going a little bit. And we saw some chemistry there between Heischer and Gusev in the preseason. So maybe you reunite that. If the, if the new first line works, you do that. You let Nico run his own line with Gusev and Bratter or Boquist, whoever. Um, and maybe that gives you a little bit more scoring depth. I mean, Hughes has looked great, uh, you know, after – that first game or two, he's starting to adjust and, and he's generating a ton of chances. He's all over the ice. His skating is obviously phenomenal. And uh, his numbers away from Gusev and Brat have, uh, they're just, they're, they're great. He's got a, like a over 55 Corsi four away from Gusev and Brat and expected goals um, in the 60s. So he's looked great since the beginning of the season. He'll get on the board tomorrow. Um, that's going to happen. It, he's just gone too long. He's had too many chances. He had two posts the other night. Um, he's on that first power play unit now. He's playing on the first line. He's getting on the board. I would honestly expect a multi-point night from him tomorrow. That's a good thing for Devils fans, especially playing a crosstown rival like the New York Rangers, the big uh, Capo Caco uh, Jack Hughes uh, matchup on NBCSN tomorrow night. That's going to be a fun game for sure. Um, and then speaking of another guy that actually looked pretty good um, Monday against the Florida Panthers was Pavel Zaka. I mean, everybody's criticized him for what happened, his inconsistencies. But, you know, he plays, you know, they're playing him on the wing now. And it seems, and then I know he's, it looks like he shifted back to center when, when uh, Hesha went down and played on that top line. You think that could be an option too? Um, I like Zaka. I like where he is now. I like him in between Brat and Gusev because, um, as much as he gets criticized a lot, um, he doesn't, he hasn't scored a lot. He's having a great year so far this year. He's off to a really hot start, but I think his highest point total so far has been 25 points. Um, and that's obviously not what you want from a six overall pick, but he doesn't get enough credit for how good he really is. Um, his underlying numbers are usually pretty good. And he shows really well. And I think he's got the potential to jump into that Travis Zajac role going forward. I really like him as like a third line center, maybe a fourth line center this year, but I like really like him as a fourth or third line center going forward. I think he'll be great. And he is a great penalty killer. You can see on the penalty kill, how good he is in open space when he, when he's on his own, uh, it's almost like he feels no pressure and he is great on that PK. Um, I don't know where he fits. I, I, I mean, if, uh, you know, Nico's out long-term, I pray to God he isn't. If he is out long-term, then maybe you do play Zaka in, in that second-line center role with Hughes in that first-line center role. And, uh, and maybe we do see that now uh, going forward. On, maybe we see that on Thursday with, with uh, Zajac, Coleman, Simmons as like maybe 2A and, and Gusev. Uh, Zaka and Brat as as your two B, which is what I expected for the year. I expected Hughes and, and Zajac's lines to be the two A and the two B. If the Devils are winning, I expect to see more Zajac, and if they're losing, I expect to see more Hughes. But uh, I, I really, I think Zaka's looked great this year. Um, I was probably 
his biggest fan last year. I, I thought last year was going to be his breakout year, and I was wrong. Uh, maybe I was a year too early. Maybe this is his breakout year. Yeah, I mean, I like the opinion there on on Zaka. Uh, Joe, you got a you got a question for Tyler over here. Yeah, I like that analysis there on uh, on Azaka. I like his PK, his, what he's doing. So, you know, they, they do have some options, and hopefully day to day with uh, Heesher, things will uh, things will work out. So, hopefully, they set up her body, which was weird because it looked like they were working on his lower body the uh, on Monday. Yeah, and it's always tough with NHL injuries too. Um, you never know what's actually wrong, and you never know how long they're going to be out. I mean, I think Hall started his day to day last year, and then he was out the entire year. Um, I'm not overly concerned about, about Nico. I, I, he'll be back. Um, he's obviously a huge part of the team, so <laughs> it would be terrible yeah. if he missed any, yeah. any substantial time. Um, but he's, I mean, he's proved to be pretty durable so far as rookie year. He played every, every game and he only missed a few last year. So I'm not overly concerned about him. And I really, I, at this point, it doesn't hurt to see him in, in a second line role where he runs his own line. Um, the worst that happens is it works and, and, or the worst that happens is it doesn't work and you go back to Holly Heesher, Paul Mary. So, yeah. Oh, okay, uh, so Joe's got a little system problem, so we're we're in co- conversation with uh, Tyler Kelly here, Pucks and Pitch Force Analytics guy, and uh, you know we're just breaking over the numbers, uh, going over the numbers. You talked over the P- power play PK, and um, you know one of the things you know everybody's been talking about is you know if the Devils were to make a coaching move and fire John Hines. Who would be a suitable replacement for him in your eyes? I know Joe and I have discussed this. He's thinking a more defensive guy like Key Boucher or Dan Bilesma. Do they stay away from the Pittsburgh problem? Or or they does Ray Shiro try to make amends with a guy like Scott Stevens, who we see on the NHL network, 
because the way he breaks down the Devils seems to be he would be a perfect fit for this team. Uh, so I, I wrote about this on, on Pucks and Pitchforks on Sunday, um, and Shiro kind of went through this before. Um, if you looked at what he did in 08-09 in Pittsburgh, uh, he fired uh, Michel Therrien uh, after they got off to a 27-25-5 start, and he brought up Dan Bialsma from Wilkes-Barre, and it, this was actually that was actually Bialsma's first year uh, with any head coaching duties. He had only been an assistant down in Wilkes-Barre, so he's clearly not afraid to bring somebody up from the NHL with, with very little professional head coaching experience. And it's kind of what the Devils have down in Binghamton right now with Mark Dennehy. Um, but Dennehy does have a slight advantage over Bialsma in that he's coached 12 years as a head coach in the NCAA. Um, so I wouldn't be shocked to see them go with somebody like Dennehy. Um, and what I do like about Dennehy is it kind of sets them up for the uh, long-term coaching search next offseason or this offseason, this upcoming offseason, if it doesn't work out with Denny. Um, however, um, I could see them going with somebody with, with more NHL experience. Guy Boucher is one that does make sense. I don't like Guy Boucher as a coach, but he might fit right now. Um, he does run a really heavily structured defensive system, so maybe that's good for the Devils. Um, but it's not the most exciting hockey, as we all know, but it doesn't matter. Wins are exciting. Um, Paul McLean's another one that might make sense. And, uh, of course I love Dan Bialsma. I think he makes a ton of sense. He is currently an assistant in Detroit. So I don't know how they go about getting him out of Detroit. I don't even know if Detroit would allow that at this point, but he makes a ton of sense too. Um, there's plenty of options to replace Hines. Uh, and, and what the Penguins actually did was they brought up Bialsma and then they had, um, Tom Fitzgerald as an assistant coach, under Bialsma uh, or with Bialsma. And so we saw Fitzgerald go down in that assistant coach role with Hines today. So maybe they're either setting themselves up for a smoother transition or maybe they truly think Fitzgerald can help Hines right the ship and figure out what's going on. You know, it doesn't hurt to have an extra set of eyes ever, especially when, when you've been staring at something for, uh, for five years, four years, and you haven't figured out the problem. Maybe, Maybe that extra set of eyes is what's needed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's great. I mean, you know, always having an extra set of eyes is perfect, no matter what you're doing, work, school, hockey. It's always great to have that eye in the sky. Maybe that's what they'll use him for. I mean, they, they obviously they're going to be – he's going to be on the bench. But like we see in other sports, especially college football, um, just to bring in that analogy, is that a lot of the assistants are up in the box and up high to see what's going on. And maybe is that a place you think he could start out just to see, maybe get a feel for what this team is needs structurally just to get that high point of view. Uh, I mean, it's tough to say. Uh, I, I, I don't, I, yeah. I mean, that'd probably be a, it'd probably be a good place to start. Um, it, it, what needs to happen is, is, is maybe that maybe, maybe there needs to be a more hands-off approach, you know, take a step back and, and just take a deeper look. Yeah. I mean, at this point the, the devils need to do whatever they, they need to do, whatever they, they need to try to make it work. They, they should, should, and can try. Um, and, and they need to start with small things first. I don't know that firing Hines right now would be the right answer. Maybe it's too drastic, 
but I, I don't know if it's the wrong answer in two games. Who knows? But start with the small things. Start with the little tweaks you can make and see if that, if that fixes it. Uh, in all honesty, like Thursday, the Rangers game could be a huge, huge jumping point. You know, if the Devils win a big division rival game against their, their biggest rival. Uh, who knows where they go from there? Uh, so it's, it's hard to say what the fix is, and it's hard to say how to fix it. Because at this point, there's so much going wrong that it, there's a lot that needs to be fixed. And so they just need to start with, with the little things. And, and I think they've even said that recently, too. Um, they've talked about because guys aren't executing. It's just the little passes. They're not picking their head up. They're not taking that one extra step before they make the pass. They're rushing things. And so I think that that could be the case. And, and maybe just little tweaks fixes everything. But the reality is from here on out, they have to play like a 100-point pace if they're going to make the playoffs. So there's a lot of work to do. And you, be, and you being a numbers guy, <clears throat> I was talking with somebody, and we broke the game. We are breaking the season down in quarters, 20-game quarters, which gets you to 80 games. Four 20-game quarters, which gets you to 80 games. So put an extra game in one of the quarters. We were saying that 12 wins per quarter will get you to the playoffs. So now the Devils are behind the eight ball. It's like now you got to win more in the other quarters. And, you know, because um, we were saying that about it's about 96 points. So, and, you know, looking at it, the standings over the last couple of years, 96 points, 97 points got you into the playoffs in the East. So the Devils would pretty much have to run the table, which is not, I mean, if they can get their acts together, it's not out of the question because, you know, throughout their history, they've put runs together, especially – around the January, February mark. And if anybody's followed this team, you know that's what they do. But I liked one thing you said the other day on uh, Let's Go Devils podcast, which was if a certain general manager who is now in Long Island was here, this move probably would have been made Monday right after the game. Yeah, I, I have no doubt that if Lou was still here, <laughs> um, Hines would have been gone. I have no doubt about that. Um and, and I, I do like um, – I like what you said about breaking it up into quarters. And Mike Babcock actually talked about that, uh, I think, two years ago, three years ago. Uh, the Leafs got off to a bad start, and the media was asking him about it. And uh, he breaks the, get, uh, the year up to uh, five-game stretches. And what he wants is six, game, six points every five games. Um, however you get those points, doesn't matter. All you want is six points every five games. That works out to about a 98-point pace. And a 98-point pace is a pretty much deadlock for the playoffs. Um, 95 can get you in some years. That's usually like the baseline. But a 98-point pace is a, is a lock for the playoffs. And so now the Devils are way behind the eight ball. They got two points in their first five. Um, and they can make that up. Like, there's no doubt. Like, so I guess they have two points in their first six. Um, so, you know, they win their next uh, four games, and, and they're almost back on pace. The problem is they're, they're just so far behind the eight ball already with, with all these losses. And what hurts the most is they've had leads in three of them. You turn those uh, two overtime losses in the wins, there's two more points. And you turn uh, the regulation loss to Florida into a win. And uh, boom, there you go. There, there's another two points. That's four points. Then they have six points in six games. And they have plenty of time in the next uh, four games to, to get those additional six points but they're just so far behind because these, those two games were huge. So. And then the division games are just magnified even more because they're really like four point swings. 
since you've already lost one to Philadelphia, you can't afford to lose another one to the New York Rangers, who haven't played, by the way, since Saturday. Yeah, and the the Rangers have some wins, but their uh, underlying numbers to this point haven't been great. Um, I think they're one of the few teams that actually has uh, a worse Corsi than the Devils. Yeah, they have the worst Corsi in the league so far um, at even strength. Their expected goals is the worst in the league at even strength. Um, their scoring chance percentage is the worst in the league at even strength. Um, they have gotten off to a bad uh, statistical start. They're even there. Yeah, so that every even high major chances percentage, again, worse in the league. So they are off to statistically the worst start in the NHL, and they've only played three games, and they've won two of them. So they're in a better spot than the Devils, but their underlying numbers aren't good. So if there's a team that the Devils should jump all over, it's them. Uh, from what I've seen, it looks like they're not starting Lundqvist in the net. Uh, the Devils should be highly motivated. The Rangers are coming off a pretty big break. This sets up for the Devils to come out and have a big win and turn the season around. Um, there's no guarantee they do that. We've seen them come out firing two games in a row – or not two games in a row, but we saw them come out to a 4 nothing lead, a 4-1 lead. They were leading the Oilers. Like We've seen them blow plenty of leads. They've come out fine in multiple games. The problem has been closing out games. Um, but if they're going to turn around, the Rangers look like a good jumping-off point for that. Cool. Um, Tyler Kelly, pucks and pitchforks, analytics – I uh, just want to wrap it up. One last question so we can get you out of here and enjoy some hockey tonight. Uh, I heard it. I was listening to Gino Retta today, and he made a great point about Mike Babcock. And this a theory could be applied to John Hines. And that is, and I want you to yes or no, agree, disagree, and if the numbers show it, great. Your head coach needs to stop the bleeding. And what I mean is, when the Devils are up 4-1 and team scores, you got to call a timeout. You got to figure out to slow the game down. Is there a way – can John Hines use his timeouts more efficiently, especially if the team starts to blow another lead and just slow the pace down, especially like a team against the Rangers? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um, I don't think he's taken a timeout yet this year. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't uh, No, he has not. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I was gonna say I don't remember him taking a single timeout. So you're talking about a team that blew a four nothing lead against Winnipeg, and at no point was was did the thought go through John Hines' head thinking, hmm, maybe I should use this timeout to gather my team. And it's not like there's the risk of not having your timeout so you can't use it in a challenge because the timeout isn't affected in challenges anymore. It's a penalty now, so there's no reason to hold on to that timeout uh, when your post taken on water. You need to be. He hasn't done year and and that's on him like he has to use those timeouts whatever it takes to to get it together for his team for the devils and um he hasn't used them you they've blown three third period leads three and they just they haven't used timeout once and that's on the coach like like they're out there on the players uh, but but the coach controls the players and uh to blow three leads and not use a single timeout in any of them that, that's a bad look. Absolutely bad look. Tyler, it was great having you on. Keep up the good work. Your numbers are great. The articles are awesome. Your tweets are spot on. 
And uh, we'd love to have you on the show again sometime, talk some more Devils hockey and some more numbers. It's great having you on tonight. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me on, guys. All right. Take it easy. You too. Bye. Joe, you there? Joe? Hey, guys. It's Jim Berenger here. Joe, uh, hopefully he's around. Jersey Joe, I'm on. Here we go. And so, like Tyler said, you know, the Devils, they need to start using uh, their timeouts better. They have to, you know, just stop the bleeding. And so, you know, it's just going to be something that they're going to have to work on. Again, a lot of positivity here. And, you know, as the Devils progress, they're a young team. You got to remember that. So a lot of youngsters in the lineup, Jesper Boquist being one of them, Jack Hughes, they're trying to get their feel for this game. It's a fast game. But the co- it's on the coaching staff to have this team prepared to play at all times. And whenever we're ready, whenever they're ready, they got to take the next step. And as Tyler said, tomorrow night's game is a big game for the Devils. And they, that the Rangers are a team that they can jump all over. So he said that their course is worse than the Devils. And, uh, you know, it's going to be one of those things that uh, is bear watching because with Tommy Fitzgerald in there now, another set of eyes, you got to have to change something and you got to be ready to go. And uh, it's going to be something, again, to keep watching and uh, just waiting for my partner in crime to get back on the tube. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be a big game and uh, lots of games on tonight. But as we addressed before with Nico Heischer not here in the lineup, probably look for Jack Hughes to stay there. Um, so, you know, just again, just waiting for Joe to come back. He's had some technical difficulties throughout the interview. Hey, you back? Yeah, I hear you. Oh, that's so weird. I don't know what happened here, folks. We had some technical difficulties during the interview. Our, our, 
my co-host. I think what happened was we didn't, you didn't have your earbuds in. For some reason, with Anchor, it doesn't always uh, do it uh, when you don't wear your buds. I had my, <laughs> I had my earbuds in all the entire interview with Tyler. So uh, I don't no. know, I don't know what happened there. But uh, we had a great guest on. Unfortunately, Joe can only answer, ask one question. For some reason, Anchor, uh, you're killing us here because uh, I need my co-host on this. Yeah, and, yeah, and Anchor. It, I was trying to, I was trying to do business on there. <laughs> but, uh, but I, I, I did my best to carry the Jersey Joe corner, um, and with Tyler. And I hope the fans enjoyed it. He was a great guest to have on. Lots of stuff we covered. Um, thank God for Anchor. We it saves everything. So, um, yeah. So let's go. I mean, Devils Rangers yeah. tomorrow night. It's so, a big divisional matchup. There, I mean, here's the thing, like, you know, as bad as this season starts, you know, there's you can't go any lower than that. I mean, you you have lost already to the Bruins, which, you know, they own us already. You already lost to the Flyers in Philly, but we get the Rangers in our own house. We're back in our own place. We can actually – actually feel offensively capable for for once in a while because everyone started clicking. I mean, Zach has scored. You had Hall score. You know, it's going to be maybe tomorrow Jack gets those few points that Tyler Kelly was talking about. Um, I know I couldn't get much in there because there was some awkward difficulties, kind of like how um, this coaching conundrum has been a little bit, but – uh, you never know. Yeah, I mean, I agree with what Tyler was saying. I think Jack Hughes is going to get his points tomorrow night. It just feels like it. it's set up perfectly for him. He's been knocking on the door. Knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. He, he, he really is. Like, the way he came so flipping close. I wish I could say expletives, but I really can't because I have family listening. Um, right, we can't use expletives too because you know we don't know what the FCC is looking at. This is a podcast. We're trying to be fan friendly. We don't want to curse. So and who knows if you're learning English for the first time? So we yeah, want to keep it clean. Bad um, words, not a good thing. Yeah. So, anyways, you know, I expect a lot of expletives tomorrow when both teams go at each other. I mean, Lord, Lord forbid, would they start putting the mini behind the scene microphones, uh, amplifying stuff. <laughs> and that is going to sound like an HBO series. <laughs> it really is. No, it really is. I mean, like, look, Chico said it best the other night. Um, because as I was coming back from Montreal, what an experience. If you haven't been to a game at the Bell Center, go. It's that's, a great experience. That's a dream. That's a, dream that's a great experience. It's a great experience to go to the Bell Center. Like I said, I hopefully um, – if you're available, um, I'm bringing some people. We're go- I'm going up for the draft. So if you want to come with, we could do a live show from the draft. Um, that would be awesome. But that's down the road. We're focused tomorrow night. But, but the one thing Chico said is that no matter how bad things got in the 80s when he was here, the team always got up to play the Rangers. And that stuck with me because that's what my parents told me too. Um, I wasn't born yet when the team came into New Jersey. Um, my parents got season tickets in 82. They've been there. So all, all the good times. 
And but they said the Devils always played good against the Rangers. Doesn't didn't matter how bad they were the rest of the regular season. They played hard against the Rangers and they wanted to beat the Rangers. I will always say this, like even when I grew up in Western Mass, even though I never, you know, liked anything about, you know, Manhattan stuff and all that. I never liked the Rangers to begin with. And I just, when I moved to New Jersey in uh, 2005, you know, this is my mom's native state. And I never really cared about the city, honestly. So, and knowing about Madison Square Garden and the Rangers, someone tried to get me to be a Ranger fan. That never worked. I didn't like the person. <laughs> no. And so I had a buddy named Alex Goldstein who was a big Devils fan back then. And I really liked him. And he and I both clicked. So, uh, I became a Devils fan uh, back in 2005-2006 season. I just always felt close to New Jersey. And when you see the Devils playing the Rangers, whether you see that blue shirt, that blue shirt or that blue jersey, you, you know your 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 spirit arises. Uh, whether whether you know that or you don't, it it just comes right out of you. Like sometimes you don't want to talk to it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, you know, everybody gets pumped up for that game. Um, it's Devils Rangers. Uh, it's gonna be on national TV tomorrow, so you know we don't have the MSG guys. We have, you know, Pierce is gonna be in the building tomorrow night calling that game. Um, so you know, it's one of those things that if you don't get up for this game, you might as well not be playing because it's it's a big matchup. It's Kako versus Hughes, one versus two. Two versus one. It doesn't matter. However you look at it, the two brightest young players in the league could have a Crosby-Ovechkin-type feud going down you the road. I will tell you, like, when I watch both of them play in the World Juniors, like, you know, it's one thing to have a really good power forward. Nothing against Cabo Cackle, but, like, the league is starting to go more towards the Jack Hughes's. Sure, Cabo scored his first point. I don't really give a darn because, you know, it's just that one point. It doesn't mean anything until you get a Stanley Cup or anything like that. Like, you look at Patrick Elias when he came into the league uh, in, in, what was it, 95, 96? 96, yeah. So he came in 96. He he didn't quite light the, the world on fire yet, but then he started lighting it up in the next – you know, second, third season, he, he was playing in the league. So a lot of people start jumping the gun on Kako and saying, oh, Hughes isn't good enough. That's that's garbage. Like, I hear people say, oh, yeah, uh, Jack Hughes is 170 pounds. He looks like he's getting killed out there. Well, this is the NHL, but, you know, the, you're not going to have those big, burly defensemen for very long. No, I mean, look – it it also it was also depends on need and it also depended on when this draft took place. So hypothetical, let's play the hypothetical game for a minute. With the National Football League, free agency opens before the draft. Say that happens with the National Hockey League. Do the Devils take Jack Hughes if they can get a number one center in free agency, or do they go with the power forward in Kako Kako? My guess is they probably still go with Hughes, but. Again, it just changes your perspective. It's all about needs. And it's not like neither guy's lighting the world on fire. So listen to the trash talk all you want. It, it's not going to change a darn thing. Neither guy has lit, lit the world on fire. Okay? 
So let's beyond that. And, I, and, I, and like I've seen before, like Jack Hughes has come so close on a lot of these scoring drives that if you took just half of them, maybe the Devils win at least half of these games. Maybe we're three and three. Maybe we're four and two. Yeah, I mean, and then, you know, he came so close. Like you said, the other night he came so close. He had two posts. And you could see the frustration on his face. It wasn't even like, you know, he was just sighing. He slammed his stick. He got mad. And that's something you want to see out of your players because he's frustrated. That he knows he can be better. He knows he should have points. He knows he should have goals. And maybe him playing on the top line wakes him up. I heard another suggestion today, and I want to get your thoughts on it because I know I usually you ask me the questions. So I'm going to ask you, you a question today. Um, what are your thoughts about if Jack Hughes moved to the wing? I think it's going to be just fine. I mean, you put if you have him on, on the second line doing wing, the only question is, would Jesper Bofus be your center? I would do it if he was our center. And get get Bofus playing. He's a highly skilled winger. We we are so lucky to not have sent him back to Sweden. And I think Hughes will do excellent on the wing with him, especially with Brett on the wing. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I heard that as a suggestion today. Um, why not Hughes on the wing? I said to myself, well, you know, if Kane does it, Elias did it for years, it could work. It's just something to get the, the team a spark. You, you got to find – you're looking for answers. You're pulling the straws here. And like I said, him playing with Hall and Palmieri, that top line, especially if he shoots out, he's day-to-day, so hopefully that doesn't turn out. Um, I can confirm that Amanda Stein via Twitter five minutes ago, uh, hashtag NJ Devils, John Hines confirmed today that – Nico won't play against the Rangers. My best guess, given today's practice lines, is that we'll see Hughes centering Hall and Paul Mary tomorrow night. So that first question you asked me before about uh, wing yeah, doesn't look like it's going to occur. No, I mean, look, it's not going to happen tomorrow, but it could be an option if the Devils struggle. Um, because you've seen guys switch over to the wing that were supposed to be centers and they just, they're better off on the wing, but Hughes is a natural center. So I don't see it, but it's a, it's a suggestion. Um, so it's, you know, it's an option. You got to look for options out there, especially when you're struggling. Yeah. You got to tinker things slightly. You don't want to change the lines, like guy from one line to another. You want to change them center to wing, wing to wing, because there are some guys that are stronger, like Tyler said, you know, on your off wing or your your strong wing, you know. Like, for instance, like when I played floor hockey, I, I did really good shooting from both wings, but um, I'm a righty, so I tend to be more right wing uh, when I shoot from that area. So if I was Jack Hughes, um, I wouldn't be surprised if he, you know, if he was just switching, you know, sides with someone else during puck possession, you know, going from center to left wing because he, he moves around the ice. He doesn't stay stationary. Yeah, and, and that's something that, um, you know, he's just been working on. His wheels are there. I mean, as as you saw from last week and I saw you, the, the show and, the, and you and a lot of people, 
I posted last week when I was at the game against Edmonton that he had one of his best shifts together because he kept moving his legs. And that's when he's most dangerous is when he's moving his legs, getting in those high danger areas, just with the puck. He had this one shift where he came over the line, got the puck, made a couple of moves, kept it outside, and then boom, shot from the point. And, I mean, it was a long-distance shot, but still he shot the puck and he got into a position to shoot the puck. So he's gaining more confidence with each game. And one of those other games I was at the Edmonton game was seeing him, you know, trying to go all out on Philadelphia. And Philadelphia wanted no part of him. So when we watched him, you know, Hey, 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 hey. So for some reason, it seems like the either the weather or it seems like uh, Anchor's pulling the trap on us today. I don't know. I don't know, man. It's weird. I mean, we're getting in a flow of conversations here. But anyway, you were going to – I forget what your point was. I think you were bringing up something about Hughes again. Yes. We were talking about Hughes' legs getting going. You talked about how good he was uh, at the Edmonton game, getting it going. You know, I noticed it uh, with Jack uh, versus uh, the Philadelphia Flyers, and the Flyers were playing that 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 low blue line trap where they just wanted to trip and just kill the penalty while, you know, they had a man serve the two, two-man mire. And then they had that stalling penalty where the one flyer, you know, touched the puck with his hand. So if anyone remembers Jared Stoll, that's what that is. Yeah, and uh, so, you know, the Flyers, you know, again, you pointed out to me that they, they you know, purposely tripped tripped him, which they did, obviously, you know. They're, they're the Flyers. They're the freaking Flyers. Exactly. But, uh, you know, he's making progressions. He's doing well. And, uh, you know, a kid who was pegged to get 50 to 60 points this season, don't hit the panic button yet. Like, look, it's six games in. It, he's going to get a goal. Um, it, it's just you got to just be realistic. Like I've told everybody from the beginning, just be realistic with his, with his expectations. He's going to get on the board. It's just a little adversity, and uh, they'll be fine, and he'll be fine. Yeah, and like you, you said, you had him pegged for 60. I had him pegged for 65. It's still doable. Um, I remember doing a trade in fantasy Puck authority that I traded Gabriel Landis and I traded Tory Krug, you know, a forward and a defenseman uh, to get Jack Hughes because, you know, a lot of people are down on Hughes. And how many people can find a superstar center for that low of a price, for that high potential quality who can break out? I mean, very rarely. It's like almost never. Think about who would have done the same if. Conrad David or Matthews. Yeah, and like for me, I have Kyle Palmieri on my fantasy team, and I haven't gotten rid of him yet, and I'm probably not going to because he's going to break out again, like he always does. And the team's just off to a slow start. 
And again, it gets magnified more because it's the beginning of the year and everybody's freaking out. And, you know, you don't want a six game losing streak no matter when it is. But there's time. Just get it together tomorrow. Start figuring out how to play hockey again, and you'll be good. And then you got the players that who will be in tomorrow's game, you know, they're going to probably listen to a lot of metal music. They're going to get their blood pumping. They're going to get stretched out, you know, playing soccer, kicking the ball around, take their mind off the game. And then once, once the anthem gets sung, they're going to get ready for puck drop. And there's no reason for them to be lackadaisical. I mean, they got to be full out, you know, take the body clean, play the puck. Don't do anything stupid like Miles Wood does. Oh, and, well. well, we've harped on him enough. I know. It, I wouldn't be surprised if we get a call-up from Binghamton because Brett Sini is a guy I like at wing, and he can play center, very skilled player. That will move Coleman up to third line and play Bulkfist more. I mean, what what good can you do with it? John Hayden right now or Rooney, I mean, there's not much you can really do. I mean, you need to use guys like McLeod or uh, Nathan Bastion. Get them going. You know, like spark the physical play. Like Bastion is built to be like a Brian Boyle. And matter of fact, I would be afraid to sign him. No, I mean, I think it was, uh, was it Pucks and Pitchforks? uh, the site that you write for Nick Villano was looking at Brian Boyle and he said, uh, uh, Brian Boyle, you're our only hope. Uh, you know, <laughs> he, he was one of the guys, you know, it's funny because going back to the off season, I heard uh, rumblings about how the devils would bring him in because he's just that veteran present, that center that you need, that kind of guy. And then it fell by the wayside because the devils wanted to go in a different direction. And I'm just looking at that uh, article you sent me uh, before from NHL's Trade Rumors in, yes. re- in regards to Edmonton. Now, listen, I listened to Elliot Freeman yesterday on NHL Now. I heard what he said on the radio today. That is misinterpreted in what he said. Okay? The devil, it's too early to think about the devil's trading Taylor Hall. But you and I have both talked about on the show, if he's not committed, you need to move him. As far as the other piece about Edmonton, I wouldn't be shocked if they were in the running for him just because it's another weapon to have, especially to balance out lineups. But the Devils are definitely in on a defenseman. I don't know who it is. I'm trying to work that area because, as Friedman had pointed out, the Devils are looking to add depth to their defense and upgrade their defense. There's no names rumored right now but they are looking to upgrade their defense. And I remember, you know, you talked about Mark Mathot. You know, I talked about Essa Lindell. Um, you know, Jim Montgomery of the Dallas Stars. And you never know sometimes after you get a new coach in, you know, different players get moved into different roles and some players don't like the new roles. Um, I am pretty high on Lindell trying to, you know, be someone who can pick up a lot of minutes. And he did that in uh, Dallas last year. And he did that in the playoffs. And, you know, he was very productive with his point production. Um, in New Jersey, it would be great to have a guy that can 
not only be young, but also eat up, eat up those minutes. I mean, we haven't had a really good player like that since Andy Green was a young buck. Or even going back, like, further back, like a Brian Rafalski-type player. And, and here's the thing. So I talked about Mathot at the beginning of the year as a guy I would like to see. Now, obviously, he had some knee surgery last year. But if you go back in the Devils' history and look at the guys that the Devils have had similar to P.K. Subban, they've always had a guy that could stay at home and play D. Scott Niedermeyer had Ken Danico. Scott Stevens had Sean Chambers. Stevens then plays a defensive, more defensive role when Brian Rafalski comes to the team. So you need a guy that can stay back. And as Tyler mentioned, he believes Sammy Votnick could be that guy. Um, even though it didn't go well in the first game, it was one game. What else do you, what else do you have to lose in not trying it again? Well, they, they just got to be able to uh, reinterpret those lines and have those players play their special role. One defensive defenseman for every offensive defenseman or two-way defender because you reduce them from overplaying their role too much. There's a certain role a player plays. Like when you draft and develop a player, it's for a certain way. Like Nikita Ohotyuk, when the Devils drafted him, it's because he's a more of a big, strong defensive defenseman out of the Ottawa 67s. Sure, I'm talking about a draft prospect that's under the Devils, but this is someone, you know, who's a really good example who can be that when he develops into a really good player over time. Yeah, and you need that defensive defenseman back there. It's just it's history has shown especially with a guy like Subban and yeah, everybody could say he's had they've had struggles in Montreal and in Nashville with, you know, but the one thing that guy has done is taken teams far in the playoffs. And it, and everybody talks about his attitude and all this stuff. PK Subban is still a good defenseman in the National Hockey League, even though he's underachieved this year. He, he can, he, the Devils got him for a reason. And they may need one more piece on that back end. And maybe, maybe as much as we like to think Jesper Bocas can play in the National Hockey League, which I think he can, the best thing for him, if he's not going to be in the lineup a lot, is to go back to Sweden. Because he still can go back. And right now you have a little bit more of adversity and you can open up a few spots right now and you can sneak him in there and get him third, second line minutes. And when you put him on the fourth line, you might as well send him back to Sweden. I would rather, and there's a reason why Fitzy and, and Shiro got him on an entry level contract. That's not to just have him, you know, ride the pine as they say, but you you want to keep guys going. You want to, and, them overly excited and when they do get excited you know you don't want them to create that penalty that costs you a game and not being fully assimilated to a game yeah and and the devils they have to you know it's just you got to just figure it out and you got to just roll with line combinations as much as you know it stinks that they're not winning or this pair doesn't look as good as this pair just ride it out let these guys build chemistry with each other because you can't just keep changing things at the drop of a hat because you don't like something after a shift. Just stay with it. They'll work it out, and they'll figure out a way. And if not, then you change it. 
But don't I be think, changing things every five minutes. Yeah, like for instance, I wrote about um, how John Hines can't be the amateur mixologist at the house party. He needs to be the professional mixologist he was brought in to be. But if his big boss, um, Tommy Fitzgerald, who's on the bench, sees him over playing his hand and not, you know, doing the things the right way, you know, all those eyes and ears that Fitzy is doing, he's going to tell Ray, hey, it's time to pull the plug on John and bring in someone else and this someone else can do a better job to get things straightened out. Yeah, and look, Tommy Fitzgerald, you know, he's been on the bench before. He knows what he's looking for uh, when it comes to this kind of stuff. So, you know, and as Tyler and I discussed, you know, right now maybe the best place for him using a – College football analogy is to be upstairs um, and just see what needs to be fixed from a higher perspective because fans, just because the seats look good downstairs don't mean they're the best in the house. Personally, I like my view from up top. I can see the game develop, and uh, I really like that. And that's where you need to get your seats. Yeah, when I go to a game, you know, I don't mind getting the cheap ticket upstairs because – I like seeing the formations and the breakouts of the of the plays, but also like you want to understand like the better view of like whose passing lanes are going where. Like for instance, like last year the Devils ran the umbrella during the power, and that really didn't work very well. I mean, you know, you got Jack Hughes who's gonna be behind the trapezoid and he's gonna look for the most near open uh, player of his, and you want it to be a Devils player who is closer to the net. And when you pass it to that player, you want him to shoot it on net. Uh, And I also mentioned that PK Subban can't be a passer. He needs to be a shooter, whether he has traffic or not traffic in front of the goaltender is money in the bank. You got to cash in. Yeah, it's money in the bank. And, you know, Tyler, um, discussed it he he wasn't a fan of the devil's power play either he really isn't and i brought up the toronto power play i mean they have luxury with Tavares, a power forward right in that slot area right at the uh, at the dot at the hash marks so and then matthews and martyr on their off wings or on their strong wings really so they can you know fire that one timer pass so they got to change some things on a power play i think just to give it a different look Maybe and he, and he suggested using Nico Hischier more in front of the net because of his net front presence and you know his big body. So you know they got they got some things to work on. I mean, again, it's tomorrow, big time. And you got to play well. You know what? It's also going to raise the game of Nikita Gusev and Gusev playing against a, uh, a fellow Russian in uh, Artemi Panarin. You know, this is certainly going to raise. Uh, the level of com- of competition uh, as both rivals are still relatively close in the standings, but both fans, you know, you know, really will make it a very crazy crowd. You know, players are going to be into it. You know, everyone's going to be into it, whether you're at the game or I stay, I like to stay home at 
because of those things. You know, it's just <laughs> one of those atmospheres you, you can't handle. Yeah, I know. You know, it, it, thank God I can use a press credential for these games because I stopped going to these a long time ago as a fan. It's just, it just gets too crazy. I want to enjoy the game. And uh, so it's going to be a fun one tomorrow night. I'm looking forward to it. I want to see if the changes, you know, again, there have been points during the season the Devils have looked really good. And it's just the fact that they can't sustain it. And again, Tyler brought up the point and I brought up the point to him about how using a timeout would actually be beneficial to this team. They do say when, you know, a coach way before the game, you know, gets his mind straight and thinks the process out. And once you get early, you can communicate to your players. And once your players are able to interpret it, they can do that for 60 minutes and do so much better. I mean, if if Hines has Fitzgerald on the bench with him tomorrow, and I think he will. And I think there'll be a different kind of intensity and a better uh, communication process. Yeah, I think so too. And I think, you know, if, you know, again, during these stretches, if you had just slowed the game down just a hair, you might've been able to rattle off a couple of wins because the, they've, they say, you know, kinds of said, Oh, we should have had a couple of wins along the way. Well, yeah, you should have. Um, you don't blow a four, nothing lead to Winnipeg. You don't blow a four, one lead to Florida. You have the game in hand. You slow things down because, in, as you see in other sports, mainly basketball because that has the timeout element to it. If a team goes on a run, timeout, all right, we got to reset. Even if they're on a fast break, they're up like – they make a 15-0 run, boom, timeout. It's coming. They just, just want to just re- reset everybody. It, and that's – It's also like when you have – the pace of the game is so fast, like – Usually when you have a double Ranger game, oh. it, it, it is fast, but also you get some penalties in there. I expect, you know, because they have Brandon Lemieux, Claude Lemieux's son playing, you know, on that team, I expect it to, you know, the play will stop because there will be just a fair amount of penalty minutes on both teams. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, speaking of foul language, uh, I'm watching the game right now, Colorado-Pittsburgh. Colorado, good game so far. Colorado up on nothing. Um, Sidney Crosby said a couple of bad words to the official on the bench. He didn't agree with the uh, penalty that was called on the Penguins. Yeah, you, you make me remember a certain time and a certain player back when a certain team was back in the league. Um, yeah. Ilya Kovalchuk was Yo. 20-something years old, and you had – Sidney Crosby was like 18 year old, was like an 18 year old who just got drafted and was misbehaving like an 18 year old. And uh, Koval Chuck was so, I want to say something else, but it, it's not clean. Well, because... I mean, you could, you could say the other one too. You don't have to use the curse word. You I mean, you could say the other one. Well, Koval Schmuck. Oh, you, that, I, there was another one I used, but I didn't know about <laughs> that one. Yeah, that's a Yiddish term. That that's a that's a Russian, so uh, yeah. The, I remember Kovalchuk goaded Crosby into a penalty. So anyone who's on YouTube right now, type in Kovalchuk Crosby penalty, and 
that's when Kovalchuk hit the one-timer of a slap shot. He didn't even celebrate his goal. He just stared Crosby down, pointed him, and said, I got you, bleep, bleep, bleep. You, you can just think that. Yeah, exactly. You can think that. Speaking of Crosby, he just came off the bench, and uh, wow, what a goal. And you know what? Crosby comes in, he gets his points when he needs them. I mean, freaking NHL network has behind the glass. Um, now I'm turning on channel 590, which is NHL network, uh, NBCSN. Uh, Avalanche, Pittsburgh, it's one one But NBCSN is going to be pretty busy tomorrow. I mean, there'll be some pretty colorful uh, content tomorrow. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a fun game tomorrow night. Uh, Devils Rangers rivalry, the Hudson River rivalry, and everybody, you know, everybody's saying and has told me, you know, it's great to see the two guys that have the young picks. Uh, the two young kids are going to come in, rejuvenate the uh, Hudson River rivalry, and uh, you know all this stuff. And it, it's going to be it's going to be a fun game tomorrow night. Uh, and. Uh... Oh, what is this? Ray Shiro's calling you? Uh, yeah, I don't know who's calling me, but uh, <laughs> I don't know who's calling me. But uh, <laughs> I had to put the telem- ringer. I, I I had to put the ringer on mute. I think it's a telemarketer. Uh, if it's a telemarketer, it's probably the devil's trying to get you to buy season tickets for cheap. Yeah, not happening. No, I I know they tried entice me to do it but i enjoy doing yeah. what we're doing right now how fun uh, how funny is this so my buddy texted me yesterday and and he goes to me he's like oh you going to game i said yeah you know i'll probably you gotta write and do all that fun stuff and he's and i'm like oh you see you going i'll see you there and he's like yeah yeah i think i'm about going i said oh yeah you should it's gonna be a good game you know devil's rangers but i'm like oh yeah but isn't that other team playing tomorrow night he's like what do you mean i said i think the yankees are playing uh, and, you know, and I think it's been, you know, it's you know, been a little embarrassingly. He's like, yeah, you're right. Maybe I'll sell him. He said, you know, you do what you want to do. But, uh, I mean, I'm not trying to convince you one way or the other to, to go or not. But uh, you, you do what you do, what you feel. Well, for the past several years, like the only two times I've done going in person at Devils home game versus the Rangers. But first one was it was. The Henrik, it's over. That was the craziest uh, game I ever dealt with. And then I also was at the same game. Uh, Taylor Hall had that had that had that penalty shot goal on Henrik Lundqvist, and everyone stood up. Um, I was in the one twenties, um, standing in that crowd, and holy shnikes, I just. I just felt the energy in that crowd. And yeah. It was it was crazy. We were even in playoff clinching mode just dead, but we were just a few points away, and you just could feel it. Just like the air after that, um, that Hall goal was scored, you knew like a lot of the blue shirts were leaving the, the Prudential Center. Yeah. And disappointment. I mean- yeah, and look, I mean, it's the perfect team for for Devils to play tomorrow night, and uh, it gets you up, it gets your blood boiling. Look, my blood's boiling right now. I want to go play too. <laughs> I just want to play right now, but um, you know, I you know, I'm a little tired from yesterday. I played a little bit last night. Had an early morning with my appearance on Saga 960 um, with uh, Dave Basso, and Mike Richards this morning. Uh, a little early morning for me, so. 
Uh, but, you know, it's good. <laughs> no, it's good because, you know, we get this and we get the podcast. So I had a little nap in between. So, you know, I'm ready to go play some puck, watch some hockey. It's a good <laughs> night. I mean, it's a fun. It's fun. I mean, look, we're doing a great thing here. You know, we're having fun. We're talking, talking Devil's Hockey. We're talking NHL, too. You want to, you know, whoever's around, you want to chime in, ask us some questions. We got the answers for you. Don't worry about it. I tell you, well, last episode wasn't as great as the, as this one. I will say this is the most uplifting one since that one because of all the losing has been so tough for a lot of the fans. And you know what? I was coming back on the uh, the Long Branch, uh, North, North Jersey uh, coastline, train from the game the other night versus uh the Oilers and I was talking to a few people on the on the tra- on the train down um they one guy was telling me he's not ready to jump on the Firehinds uh wagon just yet but uh said you give it a little bit more time you said you know he probably doesn't survive uh the last week of October yeah, if no. Call correctly. That is correct. That is what I've heard. Um, if it if it doesn't change, uh, he doesn't make it to October. Um, and as Tyler said, and he said it on Let's Go Devils podcast, he repeated himself tonight because uh, mm. I brought up the point. If a certain general manager was who is now in Long Island was still here, Hines probably would have not made it past. Uh, he probably would have been gone after Florida Panther game. He probably would have. Um, I still remember when Pete DeBoer was uh, let go of in uh, the middle of December because I was visiting my grandmother then. And I, it was back when I first started using Twitter. And I was like, oh, hallelujah, because I got Tom Galitti. And I remember uh, this was like the first few years back when uh, Devil's Insider started. Yeah. And they didn't, and they were talking about how, um, with Dan Rice was on and he goes, I don't think uh, DeBoer makes it through Christmas or something like that. And I'm like, my gosh, he's right. And I just think, you know, whoever the insider is, I think, you know, one person I saw on YouTube and uh, NJ.com refers to Heinz as a dead man walking. I think that's a, a green mile reference. It is a green mile reference. And, but the thing is, so the, the problem is though, as much as we think and would like it to happen, it's just the ownership group and the management group, especially the ownership group, their track record of firing coaches is more about being patient. I mean, just look at them with the 76ers. Um, so you don't know personally, if it was me, I would have been like, "Yeah, you're at the door." I mean, it just can't, it just can't go on anymore. Like I know, for instance, the owners Joshua Harris and David Blitzer are both private equity guys, so they have this, you know, long term, no short term type of capital uh, idea the way they run business. So they're always having a good amount of patience versus how we fans are and how we interpret they look for when the time is right. It's the time to pounce. And I feel with Fitzy is on the bench, you know, and you have Shiro, that extra set of eyes and ears. Um, you have 
the guy who is keeping track of everything. And while this is buying Shiro time to do coaching interviews in this secret way, you should definitely keep an eye out for Boucher or McLean or whoever. I mean, depending on who we can get, I think Adam Oates would be a good fit. Yeah, I, I like Adam Oates, Scott Stevens. Uh, he he was a thing of Dan's – he likes Dan's Malma. Uh, Tyler even thought that, uh, you know, your reference to Guy Boucher um, would be good. He didn't think it would be the ultimate fix, but uh, he thought he would be, you know, a good stopgap. Um, so, because we had that in, in Jacques Lemaire. Yeah. Who came back in the 2010-2011 season. And the Devils went on an 11-game win streak. I'm not saying they're going to go win, you know, 10, 20 games in a row. That that would be that would be like smoking hot, like impossible, like one in a billion if they did that. I'm not recommending that, but I'm just saying, you know, you still have, what, 90% of the season left. You can still win a good amount of games when you get the right guy on your staff or right guys depending on Heinze's assessment. Yeah, and um, again, I, and I've mentioned this to you before um, earlier on about the set, the 20-game segments, and, and Tyler agreed with me in regards to this, and Mike Babcock has a similar philosophy about getting six points to five-game segments, breaking down the season. The earth, they're so far behind the eight ball right now in the first set of segments, first quarter, that you, you have to run the table pretty much to, you know, get yourself back in playoff contention. And it can happen, but it's got to start happening now. I believe the time is now. I believe, you know, you got to get it done before that fourth week of October. I mean, you know, we talk about American Thanksgiving being the uh, the cutoff. And I believe once you start getting that, you know, nice coaching change, you start holding the other coaches accountable and you hold players accountable for not playing a certain way. And, you know, I've seen a lot of lackluster uh, defense in the defensive zone. And I've also seen a lot of lackluster uh, neutral zone defense um, that's been pretty bad. And the, the four check isn't quite there um, for me. I need to see more fighting the dog and the dog being able to fight and the dog needs to go get the bone and be able to, you know, grow and get this, you know, get this team growing. Yeah. And, and uh, the devils really, their defensive zone coverage hasn't been great, especially through the neutral zone, way too many uh, big gaps, letting guys just walk in to high danger areas. Can't do that. Got to shut things down. Got to be more defensively structured. And maybe that's something Fitz will point out. You know, again, it's always good to have an extra set of eyes. One person this today pointed out to me, if you're gonna if you're gonna do this, you might as well just fire him. Look, you know, you can go to the Lou method of you know I'm gonna come behind the bench and maybe you know. Again, I've I told this to you off air. If you're gonna fire him, fire him. Don't play babysitter. Um, but if this is a real solution to the problem, Fitzgerald going behind the bench. Then do it. Then just work together and figure out how they're gonna get it done and get the system right. I was gonna say there's no time for babysitters. Time no. for time for the parents to step back in 
and take over the team. And, you know, I believe Devils fans want to see some fire and some, you know, I just, I don't think Hines has enough structure along with his temper. And I don't think he shows it at all on the bench. And even if he does, it's not well shown on, you know, television. I mean, you know, it's hard to really document it when you don't see his face, you know, fired up. You do see the look on him, but he doesn't show it. I think he's too tense. Yeah, I agree. But I would like to see what our listeners have to say. I mean, you know, we can run on and run on about what is what is his body language. But you see all the other professional coaches that are winning. They They show their emotions and they can be able to show their constructive criticism of their own team and get them playing right. Yeah. And look, uh, another, another uh, coach that could be on the hot seat if Dallas doesn't start turning things around either. I mean, look, they're losing right now two one to Columbus. So there's still got a lot of game left in there. That's only after one. So, but the Dallas stars really need to, uh, really need to start figuring things out there too, because they have a load of talent. Um, again, maybe they just got to figure out some things there, uh, working together. Uh, oh, Bob, Bobby Max on, uh, on oh, NBC. Bob, said, yeah. Bob McKenzie's talking about how uh, Malkin's on IR and you have a couple other key names. Yeah. Yet Pittsburgh is 4-2-0 and after yeah. this season. You know, they have, they still have enough depth, but will this depth help them, you know, for an 82 game season? This is another thing that, um, if coaching in New Jersey, uh, is adjusted, um, one way or another, um, will they be able to harness all that skill and depth from Binghamton? Yeah, exactly. And like, that was one of the questions that was asked to me, uh, today, on uh, Saga 960 with uh, Dave Bassel, Mike Richards, about who, about the Penguins, um, where do I see them, where do I see Washington. And I said, look, to me, Pittsburgh is doing something similar to what happened after 2009, you know, with Marc-Andre Fleury, with their defense. You know, they, they have these defensive tools, but um, they're, they're sacrificing that for offense. But yet they have the kids in there. Because especially like a kid like Sam Lafferty, he's stepping in and playing well for Pittsburgh. It's not like they need to trade defensive players and get weaker back there because they only have Crystal Tank and Jack Johnson and some other guys. But you, you, when the kids come in and step in, and that that again is with Wil, Wilton Scrant, Wilkes Barry Scrant, Wilkes Barry Scrant, right? Binghamton. Yeah, exactly. If you can develop your players, you're going to have impact like this. And again, again, that goes back to what Shiro did with Pittsburgh. And, you know, Shiro was able to get uh, Matt Murray to play for the Penguins. He got him signed, but he never got to see him under his tutelage uh, because he had been fired because he didn't fire Dan Bilesma um, after not, you know, getting it through the playoffs. And, History tends to repeat itself, and I think, you know, because of what's happening with Fitzgerald on the bench, you can see um, a new coach coming in being aligned up, and, you know, the team could eventually get a spark. And when a spark is sparked, it can create fire, and fire catches on. 
Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's all it needs. And it comes down again to tomorrow. Just getting a spark. If it's a goal, it's a win, it carries over. Losing is contagious. Winning is contagious. And right now, things are going against the Devils because they think they're think it's in their mind. If they can just get a win under their belt, things will change. If they can keep their sticks in the shooting lane, they can get in the way of the shooter and allow Mackenzie Blackwood or Corey Schneider to see the puck better. I believe they will be able to play a better 60 minute game versus a 40 minute game. You know, I believe this team can start pulling the right amount of uh, plays and get the right amount of games going and they can turn things around. I mean, it's not far fetched. No, it isn't. It is not far fetched. It really isn't. They just got to figure out a way to just control the bleeding and get it resolved real quickly. And before you know it, once once they get the change of who the field general will be and who would be in, in command for that chain of command, it's better to deploy, you know, each forward line, each defensive line to bolster that goaltender's performances. I mean, the goaltending's really starting to form in a much better role, but, you know, defense and the forwards need to be held accountable at all costs. Yeah. I mean, like you said, uh, I mean, that's the biggest key for them is, you know, goaltending, you know, Blackwood's starting to play better. Schneider's looking good. It's just the thing, the thing in front of them is their defense. They just got to figure out who's going to play with Subban. Is it Vatanen? Is it a green? I think it's going to be more Vatanen. And then maybe go back to that pairing of Butcher and Severson. As Tyler mentioned, those guys have been really good together. And then keep Carrick on the third line. And then whoever's Tennyson. Tennyson and Carrick, there's a good defense right there with Andy Green right now out of the lineup. So, you know, again, they have the pieces in place. The tools are in a toolbox. You just got to use the right tools in the right situations. And I'm going to make a reference to Saturday Night Live with Will Ferrell. He played Robert Goulet, and he said, you wouldn't hire a clown to fix a leak in the John, right? Because this would be a friggin' circus. And right now it's a friggin' circus, and you got to get the clown out of the circus. Exactly. Just get the clown out of the circus and uh, just use the right tools in your toolbox. Be the right field general, lead your troops to victory, and uh, let's pick up a win against the Rangers, a division rival. Like, get up for it. I mean, they got to think about not only playing their game, but once they start, if you think about, you know, from uh, the movie Hook, uh, Rufio said to Peter Pan, you got to fly, you got to fight, you got to crow. And the Devils are just starting to steadily learn how to fly. They're, they're starting to begin to fight. They don't know how to crow yet. But once you get guys like Jack Hughes going, they can learn how to fly, fight, and crow on the ice and play their game. They can be the most difficult team there is. You can't just have it be there on paper. They got to be able to do it on the ice. Yeah, they have to do it together. Um, they got to work together. They have to play together. You win as a team, you lose as a team. Uh, to quote uh, the 
the great Bill Parcells. You're only as good as your record says you are. Um, I'd like to think the Devils are a little better, but it can be all done tomorrow. Reset yourself tomorrow. And I think once the Devils do get that win, we'll know what that win song is. And we need to find our new version of Gloria. So if the Devils can find that, you know, that little something, they can unlock the unlockable, which would be very special. And the fans can start rejoicing a little bit, breathe a little bit better, breathe the fresh autumn air, and get this mojo going. I don't mean Marcus Johansson. I mean, he's up in Buffalo. Yeah. But I mean, the mojo like Austin Powers, the good stuff. The, it's the libido. It's the stuff that the French don't call certain, I don't know what, but it's going to be the good thing. That je ne sais quoi. As je they sais like quoi. Think, je ne sais yes. quoi. That je ne sais quoi. Yes, exactly. So, you know, again, tomorrow night big. You got the Rangers. Got to get up. Get out of your seat. Make some noise. Rock your red. Rock your red. This is Jersey's team. This is our team this is our building we need our fellow devils fans to take it back and make it loud make it proud and show the rangers who is the real boss and i do mean not just springsteen i mean the devils fans and the devils themselves the this has to be like opening night on steroids yeah exactly here's a reset it's a clean reset you're ready to go. Time to play hockey. Time to get up. Get up. Lose yourself. Lose control of yourself. Make the noise. Get ready to play. Get ready to watch. Pull some brick flares. Woo! Woo! I wish I could be louder, but there's too many people around. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I don't want to wake. I don't want to wake the neighbors. Yeah. I think we would wake up the whole state of New Jersey. Right. Exactly. Just get up. Get ready. Be like, oh yeah, the macho man is here. But uh, but uh, just get ready for it. It's gonna be a big game. It's a big division game. Like I said before, it's you know it's one of those games you got to get up for. Yeah, Nico Heischer not playing tomorrow, so Jack Hughes, Jack Kirk, Hughes, Jack be Hughes, the first line. Boom. We we need people to start the Jack Hughes because this is where he starts to relish. Is when you know. Everything is on the line for to make a baseball reference. Bases are loaded. You have a lot on the line. You know, you want to come up clutch with NBC SN in your building and you want to show the world that the devils mean business and Tommy Fitz, make Tom Fitzgerald proud, make Ray Shiro proud, make Dr. John McMullen, who's, Long gone in heaven. So happy watching this team make a comeback. I mean, there's always a, a little Disney story that's going to happen, and it's going to be something good. Yeah, and it's it's time to get your acts together. It's time to figure out what you're doing, how you're playing, because everybody knows Devils are a good team. On paper, they expect to be a lot better. Now it's time NBC in the building, show them what you got, who you're made of. You're not like the team that played against the Flyers. You sure is not a team that got beat up by Buffalo. But you're the team that had two 4-1 leads, 
on Winnipeg and Florida. That's and the team you, you are. And you came out to play against Edmonton. You yes. almost beat Edmonton. You just got to lock it down, close the pads, don't give any extra um, emotion to the next team next to you. You want to slow them down, you know, play physical, but don't be dirty. Don't be like those flyers. No, don't be like those flyers, but be physical, play hard, be smart, have fun. The main thing is having fun. And once we get that fun going, we definitely can hear that wind song once again, and we can hear howl a lot more, but we want to have a great game. We want to have a great season because we want everyone to not feel like they're watching the Giants get destroyed by the Patriots. No offense to anyone who's a Giants or Patriots fan. Yeah, no offense. And that baseball reference you had, they got me my head spinning. Uh-oh, something's not good. Somebody got hurt. That's never a good thing. Yeah, I think it was a referee. Okay. I didn't see what happened. Linesman. I just looked at my – So uh, – There was a pass, and the referee tripped against the side of the wall. Oh, his ankle. Oh, Ooh. Oh, Ooh, that's never good. Out. Wow, that's never good. I Ooh. hope he's all right. I, I know a lot of us get ticked off at – referees and stuff but this is not good no this is not good he hit, he he looks like he hit a divot um and his head hit against the boards that's never good that's not uh, a good sign i know they need to bring out bring out the zamboni and spritz some water against that little area yeah uh it does that they they should take a time out right now yeah and, looks oh it looks like he's moving He's getting That's up. That's a good sign. That's a get up. He's he's, he's up. conscious. That's good. You That's see, good. we we are decent people. We yeah. have hearts. Yeah, and as We're, the boys and as the boys said on Let's Go Devils podcast, you can't blame everything on officiating. The Devils, that you can't blame it on that because, my, as my uncle said, um, it, if you blame the officials, that means that you were not good enough to win the game. So don't do that. Uh, he oh he's. Yeah, he's not going to walk off on his own. Yeah. Concussion protocol, most likely. A- absolutely. I hope he's all right going forward. But your baseball. I hope there's nothing on that. Yeah. But uh, your baseball reference, I'll go back to yesterday, Yankees, ALCS. Um, you know, bases loaded in first inning, had a chance to score, didn't do it. Looks like they're, the guys are going to be splitting up some duties. Going to go. It looks like one of the referees is just going to take over linesman duties and, and call penalties. And they're figuring that out. But yeah, you gotta get you when you have a power play, you got runners in scoring position, you gotta capitalize. And and you know what? When when you screw up on the five on three in Philadelphia, you can't screw up on the ones versus the Rangers because you know Devils social media, you know, we all know Twitter and Devils Facebook groups will be absolutely bonkers trying to hold, you know, the team accountable. And I do know that, you know, the Devils do read what people put out there. It's just that, um, you know, they themselves know that we want to see them succeed. It's just, you know, we've gone through such a negative vibe that the only way you can go is up. But the way, you know, the pendulum can go is is in the right direction. Yeah, exactly. Only there's, there's, you can't be any worse 
it only can go up from here. And I feel that because the Devils have been so humiliated, not only themselves, but by, you know, all these other aspects that they haven't capitalized on yet, that they know what tomorrow brings and they should, they should sleep waking up hearing the bell ring inside them and be like, it's time to respond and take advantage of these guys. You don't want them to own you in your building and you don't want Brendan Lemieux having a field day. No, you don't. Uh, you don't, you don't want to have Brendan Lemieux. He's a, he's a tough player to play against. And uh... just like his daddy, but worse. In yeah, a, exactly. In a more, phys- more physical agitator type of way, but his dad was a real good scorer for the devils. Um, but I honestly would rather we shut down Capo Caco from Jump Street and just make sure Jack, you know, gets open and, you know, get Kyle Palmieri set up. He usually thrives in these games. And, you know, for us as Devils fans, this means a whole world when these guys start clicking. Yeah, it's it's a great thing for the Devils when they start clicking. And uh, – uh if they can just keep playing strong, playing the right way, don't be stupid, take maybe a penalty or two, but nothing's dumb penalty. And I'm talking to you, Miles. I'm taking, I'm taking, talking to you, Miles Wood. No stupid penalties. <laughs> so that, that was almost slightly subtle, but uh, we, I was just witnessing Jake Gensel almost had a nice little power forward goal right yeah. there on a backhand. Uh, if I think of someone scoring on a backhand and if Zaka is healthy, I would like to see him do it because he's a big guy that is hard to knock off his game. Yeah, he does. And, uh, he played well against, uh, he played well against, uh, the Panthers. He looked good. So hopefully he can continue that. That's his big thing, his consistency. So, uh, you know, we're just looking forward to tomorrow night. Um, Hockey's on right now. My battery is starting to go on my phone, so I can't talk and too much longer. I was going to say, you know, we've been on this for quite a while. It's a time to hang it up. And thank you, Devils fans and uh, our new listeners. Uh, have a wonderful evening wherever you are. Let's go, Devils, and be positive. Hey, let's go, Devils. Uh, Joe and I, on behalf of Joe and myself, we would like to thank uh, Tyler Kelly for coming on. Put- Pucks and Pitchforks Analytics. Talk some Devils with us. Great first guest. Um, we're looking to grow the show as always. Can't wait to have more guests on. Can't wait to keep talking positive about the Devils. It only can go up. Let's go Devils. And uh, we'll talk to you later. All right. Thank you, Tyler. And everybody, let's go Devils. Peace. Let's go Devils. Peace.